right, so you're, you're just going to drop the whole thing about the, the fortune tailor lady who told us uh, we're going to have to make a decision about who we serve, and then we get a mysterious letter saying they can't be trusted, and then there are, like, nine robed cloaked figures with, like, black and blood on them. Wait, 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 wait. Did you have the same dream? Oh, shoot, we should tell Kelsey uh, and Cece. Oh, uh, yes, Kelsey, the missing person. I do know that the rest of the rescue party has not returned yet. They ran into some complications, apparently. Is the archives also kind of like a library of, like, stored records and things, or is it only to analyze artifacts? Yes, of course. What is it you're looking for? I'm looking for information on a facility called Oros. Stranger. I don't know what that means. Foreigner. Welcome back, foundlings, to another episode of The Gate Chronicles. This is season one, episode 34, and I am your game master and host for this episode, as always. Today, I am joined by... Quentin. Uh, I play Charles Smoot, 57-year-old biology teacher born and raised in upstate New York, who's either in trouble or finally about to get some answers. Hi, my name is Jaden, and I play Finnevir Avir. He's a bard, an aspiring merchant, and... uh. Has a bit of trouble right now, but we'll get to that in a minute. Well, like you said, uh, you are in a sort of pickle where after you kind of, uh, you said some things, you freaked out an old man who is very prone to being freaked out by things and uh, you got tattled on. To be fair, if he's prone to freaking out at things, people might take him less seriously. So that I might have that to my advantage. All righty then, let's get started. The door at the top of the stairs had opened, and down the stairs you heard the echoing footsteps of a very large person, which quickly revealed itself to be Lord Eden. She now stands towering over you, Charles Smoot, looking down, and she smiles. We have some business to discuss, Charles. You're darn right we do, uh, but uh, I wasn't expecting to see you here, Eden. Um... There was a situation I was attending to. So, shall we? Uh, sure. Charles Smoot kind of looks around the room warily. Uh, will we be having this uh, conversation here uh, with plenty of witnesses? She smiles, and you see that she's not showing any teeth, but it's rather a threatening smile. Follow me. And she gestures back up towards the top of the stairs which she then turns and begins to walk. Charles Smoot would be thinking to himself, even if we had witnesses, they probably would all be paid off anyways. They all work for her. Dang it. So, Charles, she is walking up the stairs. She stops for a moment and looks back to see if you're following. He would hesitate for a moment, but inevitably follow, seeing as um, this is arguably what he wanted. He, he got right to the top. He did. He's made it right to the top. He's already speaking with the big dogs, the head honcho, you know, moving his way up in the world. So? Suck it, Valen. But you haven't spoken personally with Eden. Whether or not that's a good thing will uh, remain to be seen. So, Charles Smoot, you begin to follow after her, and nope. she turns hmm. yep. and continues up the stairs. 
You make it about partway up, walking all the way to the part where the wall actually begins to cover your vision of the floor below, until you reach a flat step, which is several feet wide, but no one had really paid too much attention to it. However, you now see that Eden is using her badge and she places it against a recess in the wall that you might have missed if you weren't looking very carefully. You hear a low rumbling sound, and a moment later you see as the wall parts, like the doors of an elevator. And inside you see a small metallic box-like room. She walks inside and gestures for you to follow. I mean, there's nothing else for me to do but follow. So Charles Smoot would make his way entering the room, uh, observing it to see if this would appear as if it was like already here and then built upon and utilized, or if this was some form of like new creation, more like futuristic than the technology he had in his time period. So that would be a knowledge engineering. Yeah, no dice. With the knowledge that you have from the past, you recognize that this is some sort of elevator with the doors, the way they opened, and also the shape of this structure. But you are not sure if it's something from your time or if it's something that's been modernized or if it was here already. It looks very different, though, on the inside. You can see that the walls seem to be almost transparent where you can actually see the stone and it's lit up by some lights which seem to be lining the recesses of it. But on the wall, there are no buttons, but rather what looks to be a panel of sorts. And Eden once again utilizes her badge and places it into the panel, which then you see a series of numbers light up and she presses the topmost one and the elevator begins to move. You ride in silence for a long period of time. This elevator doesn't seem to move very quickly. It doesn't even seem to be doing what you would think an elevator does. It just seems to shudder until finally the doors open up. And as the large doors slide open, you are greeted by the sound of a crackling fire in a nearby fireplace to the far left side of the room. You see that it is well lit, made of similar material of most of the building. However, this place is well furnished with black and gold interior. And at the very center of the room, in front of a very large window, is a solid wooden desk, which you assume that Eden sits at. It is larger than your average desk. She has a lot of books lining the room as well, large bookshelves that tower over. And overall, you notice that there are a variety of trinkets scattered about on a variety of tables that are surrounding the desk as well. Eden walks into the room. Come along, Charles. Following in um, at a bit of a distance, trying to keep uh, Eden at least like a person's length away from me. Uh, as Smoot would enter, he would say, To what do I owe the pleasure of this meeting, Lord Eden? You tell me, Charles. She walks over to her desk and sits down at the chair behind it. You see that there is a rather comfy looking couch in front of it, also decorated in this black and gold material. Ah, uh, hell nah, I'm, I'm standing. Charles Smoot would walk up to in front of the desk, not daring to sit at this time because he doesn't know how casual of a conversation this will be. Well, um, I was speaking with one of your archivists, Musa, as he was doing research. 
because I had some information which seemed to intrigue him. Uh, but at some point, he ran off to fetch you, it would seem. She seems to play with her nails momentarily while you're describing your circumstances to her, until she finally looks up. Yes, your information. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Charles. Well, you know, I'm a little up there in years, but I have a wife, two kids, come from uh, pretty far away traveled quite a distance to get here and I'm unfortunately separated from them and I'm trying to get back. She smiles. I see. And she places both of her hands on the desk and seems to push back against the chair and she stands up and begins to walk around you. She seems to be looking you up and down. So far away from home. How far? It's not exactly a uh, linear quantifiable distance more so as uh, a combination of both uh, space and time, if you would. Part of the journey will probably have been the period of time I have been separated from them for, which will add to the complications. And while you're saying this, Charles, you see that she sort of stops, and while she's listening, you're talking. All of a sudden, you see that she's appeared directly next to you. Her head is right next to your ear, and she smiles, and her eyes are just piercing into you. So, as I was mentioning, uh, all I want is to get back to my family, and if you or the Seekers Guild is a means to that end, I am willing to help you in whatever way possible. I see. She slowly slinks back from you and stands upright, moving back to her desk, and then once again sits down. Sit, Charles. Hesitantly and warily, Charles Smoot would take a seat, as it has now been offered to him, and it seems as if the tension has died down. She's sitting. I'm sitting. We're all good here. Why don't you make a perception check? I don't like those. Those are indicative of bad things happening, and a nine does not tell me very much. For a brief moment, your eyes focus in on her mouth. She has a gaunt-looking face overall, but for some reason, it seems like she has something inside of it. Most people have tongues inside of their mouths, Sam. <laughs> it's not... Or it's... teeth, even. So, you have something the guild wants, Charles. Knowledge. And, after all, you are now a part of this guild, and therefore... Your knowledge belongs to us. But of course, a trade is in order. And if we can help you get back to your family, then so be it. If uh, I may, and you stated that our endeavor here is knowledge above all else, I would imagine that what information I have to share could potentially be very valuable. I know that you have a ranking system for the guild, and I did not know of how much value my knowledge would be in escalating my rank if said knowledge were to be useful. She looks you up and down. Knowledge is valuable, but its usefulness to the guild is far more important. If the information you can provide us is valuable, perhaps we can consider increasing your rank. But I was not yet finished. She, again, 
turns a little bit, tilting her head and smiling. Normally, I ignore people like you. However, this situation calls for some intervention. Being that you belong to the guild, Charles, your knowledge is ours. You can't just keep blabbing your mouth to everyone you meet. Like some individuals. And she seems to wave her hand, and you hear all of a sudden that a door down a hall you hadn't noticed before seems to open, and you hear the sound of wheels, something rolling on the ground coming towards you. And from the hall, you see that there is actually one of the twins pushing a large cart. And on top of the cart, there seems to be a large tube of some sort filled with an opaque green liquid. Okay. Is there anything inside the tube with the opaque green liquid? Could I roll a perception check? You may roll a perception check. Twelve this time. Ooh. Ooh. You can tell that the twin that is pushing it is Zora. Burn that tapestry. Or maybe it's going to be like can and preserve that human in this instance. <laughs> How big is this tube? It is very large. It is... Definitely could fit a person in it. It could probably fit a person in it. Um, in fact, as the cart comes towards you, you actually see something bobbing inside of it. Uh, and it looks like, well, a person. But it's hard to make out who it is. So it's very difficult to recognize them, if at all? Yes. It seems that the body of the person is actually suspended in the liquid and is floating backwards uh, from where the tube is facing. You see, Charles, there are some things in this world that are not meant to be known by the regular. There are some people who stick their nose in things that aren't quite for them to understand. And she nods, and you see that Zora seems to start turning the cart like your friend over there. And you see as the cart turns, you actually see the body that's floating in there is of Alfred Kenneth Mest. Well, I, I always knew that Mest was a little antsy and unpredictable, but I can assure you I am no stranger to dealing with chains of command. So as long as this relationship can stay mutually beneficial, I doubt we should run into any problems. How is Charles Smooth feeling after seeing that? Definitely panicked. Is he trying to hide that? Absolutely. So that is a bluff check. But just bluffing that he's not panicked? Yes. I mean, the statement is still the same, but uh, the bluff check is a total 11. She seems to smirk. Yes. Well, I'm glad you're of this opinion, and you're very agreeable. I hate to have to do these things, Charles, but in order to protect this place, some actions must be taken. In order to help you, you will have to help us. As I said, your knowledge is valuable. However, your existence is far more so. Seeing that you're a man who likes to stand out, she looks at you and gestures with her eyes towards the attire that you're wearing. There is someone that I need you to find. Gain their trust and bring them back to the guild. No doubt you've heard of the Far Traveler. Uh, indeed. When last I heard, though, he hasn't been seen here in quite some time, and was in fact last seen in Tiger's Den. 
He's been very elusive. We've been trying to get a hold of him for many years now. I find that you and your group might be the most useful, seeing that you stand out and aren't afraid to tell everyone who you are. However, there must be some correction of this behavior. So, from my understanding, we... Or rather, uh, what is left of my party um, are being tasked with luring back in the Far Traveler, using our existence to entice him, and then specifically bring him back to you, or will any Seeker's Guild suffice? Bring him to our guild here. Now, if that is going to work, I do believe that he may need some form of incentive. A reason as to why to come to this guild specifically over any other. You would be the reason, Charles. You'll be drawn to him. Your kind always seems to have some sort of attunement to these artifacts, these relics. They are also drawn to you. And of course, relics are just dusty old trinkets, you know. Well... If I were to move forward with this plan, you must see how that causes a problem for me, in which I was very eager to be able to get back to my family, and if I am having to travel months out of my way in just one given direction to find even a trace of a person, that does complicate matters. I see. So, you need more convincing. Beyond the lives of your team, you also need other information, I suppose. Fine. The Far Traveler may be of some use to you as well. We suspect he is also not from this time. And in fact, he doesn't stay in this time. He may have access to an artifact of great power that may solve your problem. Well, I definitely don't see this being that much of a problem of convincing everyone else then. The only course of action that I would need some clarity on is with what information am I allowed to be liberal with? My cohort and I were already intrigued by the Far Traveler from the rumors we haven't heard. Should I keep the existence of this potential relic or ability of his a secret? That would be wise. After all, you don't want to get any of your other family into trouble, now would you? We aren't the only ones looking for him. If I am to be in competition with others, given our group's lack of experience, it would probably be beneficial to know who else would be after the Far Traveler. She takes her right hand and seems to draw a line with her nail across her cheek, So many questions. I like that in a man. And you can see that as she smiles, you see like this little tiny thing kind of flick between her teeth, almost like it's a tail of some kind. And she seems to swallow it very quickly. Of course. Let us just say it is a powerful enemy. A common enemy. You okay, Quentin? That's not very much to go off of. (laughs) The only thing I could potentially think is the Red Guard. Uh, perhaps you being such a, uh, 
great seeker and purveyor of knowledge will have heard this phrase as well, which is knowledge is power. And right now I am feeling rather underwhelmingly equipped with such power. For the sake of clarity, may I pose, um, is this enemy which you speak of potentially the Red Guard? Or am I just like completely lost? You see her eyes grow dark, but she smiles even bigger and nods. This is why your discretion is necessary. You prancing about, wearing those loud clothes, being brash. You endanger all of our missions, but your existence might be the key to draw him in. You and those others you are with. What's left of them, of course. She seems to chuckle. <laughs> this is a lot to take in. Uh, if I may, uh, it will take some time before me and my cohort uh, are able to regather ourselves and chart a new course, but I can definitely persuade them to further look into this endeavor for you. Something that might be beneficial if I am trying to be noticed, but not be liberal with any information you wish to be kept secret. There was a term which was used back in my time, which was known as a debriefing. Perhaps I could share with you what knowledge I have, and then you could make note of things which I should keep confidential to only your guild. And then I could use the other less integral information to lure in the Far Traveler as a means of confirming that I am like him. You will speak with one of the archivists. They will take the information. However, all I can tell you at this point is use your own discretion. Had it not been me, you would have been strung up in a lab, torn apart piece by piece. Consider yourself fortunate. It will most certainly be a pleasure to work with you, Lord Eden. <laughs> yes, the pleasure is yours. You may go now. And she gestures after Zora, who is turning the cart and walking out with it. Smoot will hurriedly, basically scamper off after Zora, uh, making note to turn around and kind of bow as he exits Eden's chambers. You can see that she's, as you're turning and to bow, you see that she's like lifting up what appears to be a tiny like rodent and she's holding it by the tail. And she nods to you. And Charles Smoot, following after Zora, you begin to walk down a very narrow path or narrow hallway, which leads to a door that Zora has to stop and walk around the crate and open it. And then she again begins to push it out, and she gestures to you. You can get back downstairs over there, the stairs, that way. Uh, thank you, Zora. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, um, what is to happen of the individual in the container there? He'll be put in storage. So is he in some sort of stasis? He's asleep. And she begins to walk away not really answering much more of your question beyond that. What? I understand. What? I need to have a conversation with Amali. 
Because <laughs> I may have ended up on the wrong side of things, and I want to know what Amali's beef is with the Red Guard. Well, you'll have to ask him about that. Now, back over to Finnevere. Jaden, currently, Finnevere-Veer is locked away in his room, currently uh, doing what? Uh, he's likely in his room with a wet towel wrapped around his forehead and just trying to process himself. He's got an incredible headache from uh, accidentally mishandling some relics and uh, trying to deal with the aftermath of an anxiety attack from asking if he was abandoned. So, yes, your character is currently locked up in his room, reminiscing in silence for a good period of time and also feeling relatively sick at this point all of a sudden like when you were down in the archive after gathering all of your things back up perhaps it was because of what was said to you but you suddenly felt ill your body ached and you felt a bit feverish as you came upstairs and then you went to your room and are lying down on the bed as you said with this towel wrapped around your head but not much else seems to go on just in your mind, you have a song playing as much as you can focus on it. And you're like this for actually a, a good while, probably about an hour or so, until you hear a door nearby uh, open and close, which you recognize from the distance and the direction of it would be the room where Charles Smoot is. And Charles Smoot, you have entered your room. Smoot will probably have went back to his room to pick up some of his things. Okay, so Smoot, you enter into your room and you're picking up some things. It looks like when you walk by, Finnevere's door is shut. I hope it wouldn't be open. <laughs> no, not that I know of. All right, so Smoot, you gather some of your things and Finnevere, you're in your room. And if your characters don't have much else going on for the day, uh, Finnevere, would you essentially rest it off or would you try to do anything else? No, it... He probably lay down for a bit to try to to take the edge off, but uh, there's a certain... Some people cannot do nothing very well. And Finnevere is one of uh, them. Finnevere is one of those people. At some point, well, whether it's boredom or guilt, he would, if it's possible, he would try to go to Cece's room. Finnevere, your character doesn't know exactly which room she's in you just know that the girl's on the opposite side of the hall from where the boys are uh then he would go to the information desk and ask where brunhilde is all right so you go downstairs and you go oh, up to by the, the way uh, he sorry to interrupt it is an important detail almost life or death uh he doesn't take his stuff with him only what he, he didn't throw off his bandalore but that's about it so, Finnevere, you head downstairs to the keep and you go up to the reception desk where you see that Nora is currently standing there with a line of a number of people. And the dice say it's six. For, he will patiently wait for now. For now. Okay. There seems to be somebody at the front who is currently turning in a large package of some sort and Nora is struggling to receive it. That person goes away pretty quickly and the line does move up. And you do get to the front where Nora is currently handling the package still, trying to shove it into a box. Ah, get in. Okay. Ah. Hello, how can I help you? Welcome back to the front desk. Information desk I'm so done with today. Uh, you and me both. Um, two things. Yep. One, I'm trying to look for a member of my party, uh, Brunhilde. Uh, 
Uh, is there any way to get uh, directions to our room? Ooh, we're trying to get directions to the ladies' rooms. All righty. Um, let me just see here if she's authorized that. Okay, it looks like she didn't even fill any of this paperwork in. So um, I'm not sure exactly what happens with this. Typically, we don't give out the information of where the girls are versus where the boys are unless you have the address. Do you know what floor she's on? Uh, I do not. Um, I'm a new initiate here. Uh, yes. New, uh... Okay. Um, let's see. Brunhilda. Well, she's on the same floor as you on the other side of the hall. Hmm. I can't tell you the exact location, but I can tell you... Um. I can give you an area. Would that work? Um, It's a way around the rules. Just take it. Okay. Uh, could I also get a copy of the paperwork? If she needs to fill that out, then I should make her do that. She looks a little leery. Hmm. That is a suspicious request. But all right. She passes you the paperwork. Okay. And she gives you uh, a little bit of information of where Runehilda's room might be. It would be towards the end of the hall on the opposite side. Okay, uh, then I'll attempt to make my way down that area. If I can't find her, then I'll, I will see. Okay, you head back upstairs. There's a lot of stairs in this game, I realize. I feel bad. We need to put some ramps in. Maybe make a suggestion to somebody. All right, someone invent the elevator, quick. So, Finnevere, you make your way back upstairs and you head down the opposite hall of where your room is and you make it towards the end where you see that there are five doors that could be in the approximate area. Uh, oh, well, that makes my, the, what I need to do very easy. I will just knock on them all sequentially until I get CC. Okay. I'll start with the one furthest to the left. Okay. Uh, you knock on the door furthest to the left. Uh, announcing the intent each time. Uh, CC, are you in there? You knock on the first door, and there is no response. Catching myself. I'll go to the second door. And do the, I'll do with each one. Uh, Brunhilda, are you in there? Okay. You go around knocking on these doors until you reach the very middle one towards the back, the fifth door, which is kind of against the back wall. Go away! I just wanted to say I'm sorry. You are right. You hear something I... come running towards the door. She just bursts it open. You were abandoned? I was, and I realize, although not in the moment... With being so absorbed with my own abandonment, I abandon you in the process. And for that, I must apologize. Oh no, I'm fine. I was just worried about you. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have brought that up. That was kind of rude. I, uh... uh okay. Well, what do we do now? Well, if you wanted to know so bad, I could tell you. Tell me what? Who I was abandoned by and why. I don't care about that. What? Well then, uh, <clears throat> the details are in the past. Interesting. Make strives towards the future. But wait, will you tell me if I ask you later, or is this a one-time offer? Uh, Cece, I'll tell you whatever you ask me. Who is your first love? Uh, he, <laughs> <laughs> he puts his finger on and goes, ah. <clears throat> uh, money. I, I, was, <laughs> I, I, I heard Mr. Krabs' money. No, no, no. My head. Uh, well, this is a player problem, then. Uh, I, 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 I think I could pull this. All right. You caught me, and maybe I should be more careful with my words. I have a friend named Fowlin, and he had many sisters. <laughs> uh -huh. As Finnevere's face turns blood red for a minute. Okay, maybe we should do uh, this. Here, come on, no. get, come in, come in, come in. Otherwise, we're going to be having to talk out here. And what if somebody else hears and then they know who your first love is and they find out what your password is? Oh, well, we can't have Smoot finding out. Is it uh, Smoot's daughter? Did you know his daughter? 
Uh, I did not. I had a good friend by the name of Fowlin, uh, and he had a sister. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to stop you there. We need Mr. Smoot here. Uh, no, uh, I, I, the last thing I need is giving that man more ammunition. Oh, but come on. It's just you, me, and Mr. Smoot. Rupi uh, else isn't here it, anymore, for now. Uh, if it should be your wish. <laughs> it is my wish. It is the biggest wish I can make today. Then, it, uh, if it be in my power, I shall grant it. Yes! Let's go bother the man. I, I think I heard his door shut a few minutes ago. She runs screaming down the hall. Mr. Smoot! I will tail behind, but at a comfortable pace. Charles, make a perception check. 26. You hear a very distant voice, quickly getting closer, screaming your name. A woman's voice. A child's voice. That in-between voice. I'm debating whether or not I want to entertain this or not. Do these rooms lock? Yes, there are locks in the doors. Oh, I lock my door. <laughs> uh, is there a window in this room? Yes, you have a window. What does the window lead to? Like, what floor does it appear like I'm on? You are on the first floor, 20 feet in the air. Okay, so theoretically, if someone needed to jump out of the window. Theoretically. These are possible. Now, um... It's the door. Is it a keyhole? Like, do I have a key or is it like a latch on the inside? It is latched inside. Okay, so if I locked it and then jumped out, it would be a problem to get back in. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, Brunel Smoot will just lock the door trying to collect his thoughts and figure out what his next course of action is. All right. Finnevere, she reaches towards the end of the hall towards your room. Mr. Smoot! Mr. Smoot! Mr. Smoot! Mr. Finnevere, where is Mr. Smoot's room? Uh, hold on, let me catch up. Uh, he is, uh, he's right across from my room, and I point out my room, and I point out his room. <gasps> Mr. Smoot! She goes over and she starts banging on the door. Mr. Smoot! Mr. Smoot! Mr. Smoot! We have to know who Finnevere's first love was. This is very important! She tries jiggling the handle, but the door doesn't open. Mr. Smoot! I know you're in there. It only locks from the inside, Mr. Smoot. I see your feet at the door, Mr. Smoot. There is a shadow. If you know someone is in a locked room, then you must ask yourself, why might they lock it? Are you pooping? No, there are lavatories for that here. I have more pressing matters that I am attending to other than who Finnevere's first crush was. It's his first love. It's different than a crush. Crushes only last for like a little bit, but love lasts forever. Yeah, that's just not how that works. That's absolutely not how that works. But Mr. Smooth Love is eternal. No, 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 no. You were very wrong right there. Very sorry to tell you that, little lady. Someone had to break it to you. <laughs> You're mean. <sighs> Mr. Smooth, I'm sorry that somebody broke your heart a long time ago, and that's why you're a curmudgeon old Mr. Smooth. You need someone to love you. No, 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 no. So that's more accurate. That's what I'm referring to. Love is a verb. It is an action and a choice. It's not something that just is a passive state of being that's just indefinitely true. Mr. Smoot, you're talking to a door and it makes me... I am talking to a door. It makes me uncomfortable. And you should respect that decision. Mr. Smoot. Mr. Benavere, I need a piece of paper. Uh, just a moment. I go into my room to get the paper because I don't have it. <laughs> okay, uh, here's the paper. And I, I grab out my... uh. My, my white glove as my hand shakes a little bit and I try to hide it. I need a pen. Oh, well, then I'll run and go get the pen. <laughs> he gets the pen and hands it over to her. 
Perfect. She starts scribbling, and you can hear her writing on the door. I unlatch the door, and I open it. Okay, it goes inward, so she kind of tumbles into you. Mr. Smoot, I was writing you a love note, because you need love. You're old and curmudgeoning, and you need some love in your life. I have a to-do list, and on that to-do list is not to find love again, okay? That's too bad. You have me now, and you have Mr. Finnebeer. I don't think he's as useful, but at least you have us. I was actually in need of his particular set of skills. You see that he has the glove on. He was, like, literally hovering his hand, getting ready to do a thing. Uh, I will cartoonishly, like, put it right behind my back like I wasn't doing anything. All right, Mr. Finnebeer, now you can tell us who was your very first love. We can walk and talk. Uh, oh, but, uh, didn't you say we can't have this uh, out in the open? No, 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 it's fine. Mr. Smoot needs to learn about love. He's lost his heart. He doesn't have love in it anymore. Nor do I have coins in my purse, so I would like to remedy at least one of these situations. Okay, so you want to go shopping? That's how you generally lose money. Um, no, I would like to go sell some of my stuff. It's kind of like shopping. You you get money and then you use it. I wasn't planning on using it right away, Cece. Fine. Well, Mr. Finnevier, we can walk and talk. You'll have to tell us all about it. Otherwise, we can save it for a really nice night. And then we can talk all about love and, and romance and relationships and teach Mr. Smoot how to be in love. Huh. Perhaps we do shelve this for another time. I can tell you a story. Uh, do you wear your wedding ring? Absolutely. Just because she doesn't, doesn't mean I don't. Oh, is the wedding ring tradition existent in the, uh, you know, the Finnevere universe? <laughs> wedding rings are common. It okay. depends on where, but most people do wedding rings. Some of them will do bangles because if they're working with their hands a lot, the ring can, like, get stuck on something and they could lose a finger. Oh, that's sweet. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, how heavy is Cece? She is a medium creature weighing approximately, I think, 120 pounds, I think. At the mention of Cece saying that Smoot needs to be taught how to love, he would walk up to her, grab her by either side of her shoulders, and pick her up off the ground. Huh? And look her dead in the eye, very seriously say, Cece, everything I do is for someone I love. Make no mistake. This seems kind of threatening. And then sets her back down on the ground. And then kind of poutily walks away. Mr. Smoot needs date. I need no such thing. You begin heading out towards the market? Yep. Cece is following after him, as she do. Finvere, do you go along? Uh, yeah. For the once in a long time, he will leave basically everything he has besides his little pouchy stuff. So basically he has his gold, his magic components, and like a rag or something. So almost nothing from his usual giant backpack full do you bring any of the loot that you got with you uh yeah i would say that would be something that uh I, okay. I guess you have a point that would be something i would fit in one of the uh the chest pouches so charles smoot you trailed along by finnevere and cc make your way down to the market following along the very long set of stairs where did we last see david david you saw him the morning of Did he mention where he was going to be? He essentially indicated that he was hanging around town and making friends. Fenivir, I need your particular set of skills. I'm trying to find David. Uh, You seem to have a bit of a bore of a way with people than I do. Uh, ordinarily. Um, however, uh, full disclosure, I'm having a bit of relic sickness today. All right, well, Uh, then... I, I done goofed. 
but I will give you my best, whatever that ends up being. You try your way then, and I will try mine. I don't know what that means, and that frightens me. Well, Charles Smoot, Benavir, what are you doing? Well, let's uh, just say that Charles Smoot doesn't have anything in diplomacy, but he does have uh, a skill bonus in Intimidate. So Smoot would go around town for a little bit and ask if anyone knew a man by the name of David and then would give them a description of what he looks like. And I would be hanging around the general market area where I assume David would probably have been running around in circles with. Okay. After talking to about the fifth person, you do find somebody who recognizes the name, but they're not exactly sure where he is today. They've seen him around the market, though. Do you know where he generally likes to hang out? Not really. I just met him. Uh, he walks around with a uh, weird hat on. Yeah, the white cap. Yeah, and then he also tried to sell me a weird metallic object. Got a paperclip. Yeah, good talk. Thank you. Perhaps this is a little presumptuous, but uh, David does seem to be a man who does enjoy good food. And we did pass by a tavern with good food on the way in. We could stop by there. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, well, it couldn't hurt to take a quick stop by. What time is it in the day? I would say it's probably heading into the afternoon. While we're in the market district, I... Regardless of whether or not I have David's particular set of skills, wanted to try and get a few things appraised. I can get his opinion when we find him, but just in case it takes too long to locate him, I would rather get this done before shops close for the day. I may not be the best in the business, but uh, I have experience in appraisal. Yeah, wouldn't you want Mr. Finnevere to look at things just because he is the one who's been around here and... Mr. David has not been around here very long. Generally speaking, yes. I would take Finnevere on a good day if I was a betting man, but uh, this, if you have neglected to listen, it has not been said to be a good day for him. I think he looks fine. Look at him. He looks great. I give my best smile. Oh, keep trying, bub. Yeah, uh, point being with if he is under any form of relic sickness, I don't know if he's going to turn into a horseman or not. So, I hope not. Do you feel a little horse? I do feel a little horse. He's like starting to like feel his face and uh, he gets out his little mirror and starts (laughs) checking himself. As long as you don't croak, I wouldn't want you to end up like Hana. Uh, No, I'll take the horseman. Thank you. Okay. You guys are walking around for a good bit. You don't really see David in this area, though. That's fine. I would just go to the weaponsmith uh, that was right at the base of the stairs where you mentioned that a lot of seekers seemed to be frequenting. So we will go to that place. You go to that place that's underneath the stairs, uh, right at the base of the keep. It looks like, again, it's relatively busy today, but a lot fewer new faces. In fact, a lot of the initiates that you uh, passed with are there, apparently also selling things. Okay. You finally see that he has an opening. I would make my way to the counter and I would heave up onto the countertop uh, the two masterwork chain shirts that I have. How much would you say that these are worth? Watch this. Uh, I'm a weaponsmith, sir, not an armorer. Was there someone else in this town who would be better suited for this bill? Yeah, the armorer. Whereabouts could I find him? His name is Kevin. All right, well, if you can't help me out with this one, perhaps you 
might have better luck with this. Uh, Smoot would take back the chain shirts, put them back in his bag, and attempt to see if the man could appraise his translucent sword. You see that his jaw just drops. My, what a fine blade. May I? He reaches out for it. You may. I was looking to get some information on this piece. I have only recently acquired it. So he starts looking it over. He actually pulls out what looks to be like a jeweler's examining glass, and he's looking very closely at it. If I do say, this appears to be mind glass. Strong as steel. Good against creatures that can affect your mind. Almost like a reflective energy. Worth a pretty penny. If you were looking to acquire such an object, what would you value it at? He starts chewing on one of his nails as he seems to be calculating a price. All for you. 6,680 silver. Uh, can I sense motive him? Sure. Uh, applying all involved bonuses and negatives, negatives uh, we arrive at 17. You can tell he's um, shirking on the value. Well, uh, perhaps we could find a more interested party if it's not too much to your liking. Diplomacy? Oh. You're attempting to haggle. That's one of your good skills, at least. There are no good skills at minus five, Mr. Smith. Yeah, there are. Plus five is still a good skill. Look at that. That's a hole. A hole. Uh, uh, applying all proper things, 23. <laughs> uh-huh. Let me just uh, think about that here for a second. Looks up, Charts. Yeah, I have to. That's fine. With haggling, you increase the va- the, the haggle by a certain percentage. I'll give you 8,000. Then some change. Was it a thousand gold? Was a uh, thousand silver to a gold? Or is it a hundred silver? Hundred silver. That's eighty gold. But he doesn't deal in gold. Yeah, I got that. Um, he's playing with his teeth while he waits for you to make a decision. You seem to be rather experienced with the comings and goings of seekers in this place. If I am going to be a seeker, how frequent would you say that the encounters are with mind-affecting creatures? I understand that that is the special property of this blade, so I don't know whether or not it would be more practical for me to unload it or keep it, if it is as rare as you claim. Well, if you're going into the forest, this very likely might encounter such creatures. After all, it's unpredictable what you might find there. Uh, as a player, can I know, is this like a short, is this a masterwork short sword? Is it it like- is, so... Mind glass is automatically masterwork quality. It is a short sword. So it's a D6 of damage? Yeah. Uh, any modified critical ratios? Or is it just the standard 20 times two? So essentially with mind glass, it, you, you can pretty much look this up because I mean, he gave the information that's the generic, but for the statistical bonuses of it, it doesn't really give you any bonuses, but it does essentially act as a protection against psychic abilities. When a creature wielding a melee weapon made of mind glass succeeds at a saving throw against a psychic or mind-affecting effect from a creature, the weapon stores some of that energy and holds it for a future attack. A mind glass weapon can store this energy for a number of rounds equal to the level of the spell or half the creature's CR if the effect wasn't a spell or spell-like ability. If the weapon hits a creature while still holding this energy, it suffuses the target with a disruptive field for one round. On a critical hit, the disruptive field effect instead lasts for a number of rounds equal to the weapon's critical multiplier. While affected by this field, a target must succeed at a concentration check, DC 15 plus twice the spell's level, to cast any spell or spell-like ability. And if the check is failed, the affected creature or spell spell-like ability is wasted. Very interesting. Um, hmm. 
You either get money or you keep a sword. Do you mind if I peruse the the wares around here? Perhaps we could even work out some exchange. That way it's not just coin. Carrying all of that around would be rather burdensome. Very well. I vaguely remember you mentioning that there was a great sword here. I just don't have it written down. And I think it was actually kind of close to 8,000 silver. I have it written down too. Do you? Oh, yeah. I, I was going to get it as a, a, sm- a smoothness gift uh, if I could. That was that would be a very expensive smoothness gift. Well, we'd have to get... Um, Quentin, it was a lot more than what you think. Is it really? Yeah, it was more. I rem- um, it was 18,000. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it had, a, it had a fancy name and everything too. It did? I believe you gave it a fancy name. Oh, I didn't write it down. You ha- It was like Sky Cleaver or something like really epic. Oh, wait, no. Um, a finely crafted blade with a gold star set in the pommel and on the guard is a script that reads, Pierce the Heavens. Yeah, this is a plus three large bastard sword, 18,335 silver pieces. Pierce the Heavens. So Charles Smoot walks around and begins perusing the wares and his eyes catch on the bastard sword that he had laid eyes on the previous day. He ogles it for a good while, but then he looks at the price tag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, we're gonna have to... Mr. Smith, are you sure you can't maybe haggle more? Give me, give me a second, I gotta just read, read a couple of things. Uh, haggling does have its limits. Well, what if that sword is actually worth more and he's still just not giving you everything? I mean, obviously he has to sell it for profit, but this make him feel guilty. Make him feel guilty? For what? I don't know. Well, uh, say that your firstborn child dreamed of having a bastard sword. <laughs> I don't like the implications that that entails. Um, why don't we go and see what we can get for our other wares, come back, and then we can offer him coin plus trade for the item, potentially. Hmm. You're not trading me. She glares at you. That's off the table. Never said I was. Yeah, but you had this look in your eyes earlier when you picked me up and then put me down. It was a very different look in my eyes. I don't know. I was a little concerned. All right, fine. Let's go sell the other stuff then. Mr. Finnevere! Uh, yeah. Do you have anything you need to sell? Uh, well, I do need to offload most of my relics, I think. Uh, but I left them back at the, the place. Wow, I'm surprised you left Isabel behind. You're doing it, Mr. Finnevere. You're growing out of your doll habit. So as we're leaving, you know, um, by the way, Mr. Smoot, um, the equity on the, uh, assisted haggling was about, uh, uh, 1,332 silver pieces, and half of that would be 666. Not that I'm counting, but it would be nice. It sounds like you are counting, in fact, the value of my possessions. Ah, well, you did, uh, ask for the assistance of my assets. I actually didn't. I asked for the assistance of David and tried to find him. You chimed in that one for free. Well, as I recall, before informing you of my impending illness... Uh, you were, in fact, requesting my assistance. I said I would like your assistance. We never really came to an agreement, I gotta say. Uh, well, if you want to continue getting the prices that you're asking for, which is not much, uh, you may proceed to do so. What your business is, is your business. But, as for the reasons that we're still together, I think our business is better than either of our business. Business is business. <gasps> profit a profit. Oh, was that a chapter? <laughs> yes, I think that was right before. If you can't sell it, sell it. Makes sense. I like it. I do have some stuff to unload myself. I have, uh, I, I pull out the fire opal. 
I show it off, second, and put it back. That's really pretty. That is really pretty, and really pretty usually goes with really expensive, mm -hmm, especially mm -hmm. fire opals. Huh? I don't know much about gems. Hmm. So where do we sell them? Uh, a jeweler, generally. Is there a jeweler around here? Well, populated cities usually do have a menagerie of shops, so it stands to reason there could be. And uh, furthermore, we do know that Poplar's caravan is in town. Oh, yeah, that's true. The hunter guy? I don't know his name. We'll call him Hunter Man. It might be good to get a second opinion from him on the sword. So, um, do you attempt haggling at all? Or do you just take prices at value? Me, personally? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have nothing in appraisal or diplomacy, so um, I would work out a deal with Benavir if he could produce results that we can share in whatever profit that he is able to get me increased on the chain shirt and the sapphire. Okay, so in order to make this go a little bit faster and that way we can just yada yada some of it, Finavir, uh, if you would like to roll a diplomacy for each category of item, for example, uh, if it's the armor, weapons, and gems are what is being sold, uh, relics will have to take it to the reliquary. Can I make a special request? What is the request? For the sword, when we get to that one, I want to use uh, a fun feature of the bard class that allows you to alternatively use sing for another skill. Sure. Uh, specifically diplomacy, but I only want to do it for the sword. You're going to sing the Huntsman all over there? I'll uh, tell you. You might like that. You might get into it. Uh, it, it. It might backfire. We'll see. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe he really doesn't like music. Okay, so first up, we'll do the chain shirts. You find an armor nearby. Uh, you actually see that he is directly across the street from the weaponsmith. He also has a very big scowl. He kind of reminds you of Charles Smoot, except for the fact that he appears younger and he has one arm. If you would like to just do a diplomacy roll to haggle, you're free to do so. Otherwise, it would be the base price. Okie dokie. We will attempt uh, with diplomacy. Uh, that is a 25 natural 20. All right, all right. I'm assuming this is not the sword one, right? This is no, the armor. No, this is the armor. Okay. So uh, he offers 325 silver for both chain shirts. 325 per or for Total. both? Total. Total. You know, you only get half when you sell stuff without being a shop owner, right? Very sucky. That's why you have to haggle. Do you take that price? No. Wait, you said 315 for both? 325 total. 325 total. Give me a second. I'm just going to make notes of something. You really want that sword. Oh, you should have seen him at the last shopping session. Uh, no, I take the quote at what he appraised it at. All right. Shea, sir. So you leave with the chain shirts. Okay. Uh, next up. All right, we'll flip a coin. Well, actually, no. Are you going to try to sell gems or sword first? Uh, I want to I want to show the huntsman the sword, almost more so to get a second opinion on it and to kind of like tout it as like a tale of like epic adventure, because I'm sure that would interest him. Okay. Did, uh, did you get it at the frog fight? No, I got that off of one of the corpses you burned. Oh. <laughs> I like the realization. Oh, uh, there is a jeweler uh, on the way down towards the uh, wagons of the caravan. Do we get the before and after of the haggling? Do you want? If, he, if I'm doing this pro bono and he's only giving me profit on the uh, on the bonus. Are you asking about what the total would be normally? Yeah. 
Is that too much? Or if not, we'll work something I, I else can, out. I can get it for you. So the Azurite, you value at eight silver. Fire Opal was 713 silver. And the Hematite was nine silver. Uh, you are offered 356 for the Fire Opal at beginning. Are you even bothering offering the other ones? It's basically just half their value. Uh, maybe I'll just keep them for barter. They're small. Okay. Uh, and then the Blue Sapphires, you are offered for both of them, 1,006 silver and 800 copper before haggle. All right. Well, I'm going to need to continue a hot streak for any results today. Fails, the price goes down. Price might go down. I think that's seven. But I saw. She won't budge on the price. In fact, you can see this woman who is covered in a variety of beautiful ornaments and trinkets. Her fingers are wearing gemmed rings all over. No, no, no. These are only worth this much to me. Uh, I will take the price on the uh, the uh, fire opal. Okay, so you get the 356 or mm-hmm. whatever it was. Uh, Finavir, do you think we might get better prices at the caravan that we've traveled with and uh. that we, like, help defend and protect? Oh, uh, well, I don't know that we have that good of a reputation down there, but uh, you can give it a shot if you want to. I at least want to talk to the huntsman because I'm pretty sure we're at least in his good graces. Ah, uh, slightly better than before, but uh, you did agitate him before. Our last, uh, how you say, visit wasn't so bad. We'll see how he remembers you. I mean, he got entire Karab carcass, so business has been well. I probably sold, like, tacos. I think we need to brush up on what your consideration for a taco recipe is, Ben. Uh, well, I would say hotcakes, but... According mm. uh, to you, the best-selling uh, thing would be tacos. Ah, uh, never mind. Forget I said it, maybe. All right, so you guys go down to the Huntsman all the way down and you see that the caravan is relatively busy but not as like popping as the market seeing that a lot of the wares have already been sold up there the huntsman does have his stall open however he's sitting on the deck smoking his pipe well hello gentlemen what brings you back today well we managed to survive and i flash my secret badge he Uh, leans forward congratulations and with it, we uh, have something that might interest you. He swaps his pipe from the left to the right side. All right. And to that, I pull out the translucent sword. Uh, is this point that Penivier uh, is like, oh, shoot, I forgot my uh, my loot. It's okay. I can do this acapella. He, 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 at least his internal monologue is hyping himself up. Okay. Uh, so he reaches out and gestures to the table in front of him. That would place the sword down. Okay. He leans forward, and he's currently still holding his pipe, chewing on the end of it. Oh. He uh, looks up as he hears Finevere just uh, strike a vocal note. Yeah, uh, well, I don't have anything prepared. <gasps> uh, Look at this like to start. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think your collection's complete? Please, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll pick up his his tune, but better. Wouldn't you think your collection's complete? Um, and uh, he will do his uh, legally distinct rendition. Uh, and I would like to use my inspired role. All right. Of the little uh, sword maid. Yep. Oh. Uh, okay. Natural 12 for the first. Natural 3 for the second. Cool. Take 12. So that is a total of 20. Okay. He's currently just smoking his pipe. He sits back down in the chair and is just listening to the song. Oh, it's a lovely tale. Now, what is it you were asking me? Oh, 
Resort. Are you asking to sell it to me? I was wondering what you might value something of this at. He chews on the pipe for a moment. It's mine glass. Relatively rare, valuable. Maybe about 9,000 silver. What does the huntsman have for wares? Probably nothing comparable to pierce the heavens, of course. No, right now it looks like a lot of his stock has been whittled down. Unfortunately, I've already sold a lot of my goods to the blacksmiths and down. I have some standard weapons, daggers, and hunting gear. So? Uh, well, while the coin would be appreciated, there there was an item uh, that the blacksmith up in the merchant district had. I was wondering if he would be willing to trade, but I don't know if that would be equivalent in value. What weapon are you looking to get? Uh, it was this really shiny bastard sword that was hung up on the wall. Of course you'd want that. Well, I mean, I, I like my great sword that I have here, and it's got, like, good heft to it and everything, but it's, like, that is shiny, doesn't have engravings, you know, that whole thing. He chuckles, and he actually takes his pipe out of his mouth for once. Overcompensating for something, are we? Listen, the saying is, the bigger the better. Uh, I, I'll take a look at Cece and give her, like, the I'm trying to hold my, my smirk and laugh in, but I'm not doing well. You know what they say about big feet? They got big swords. Big socks. That too. You know what they say about big hands? Big feet? Oh, no, there's more, more to grip the sword with. Oh, interesting. I'll have to bring that up. What, that one up to Molly. He gets mad whenever I make that joke for some reason. I don't know why. All right, so you're trying to haggle with him. Hey, you might be able to trade the sword and a few other things to get what you want, depending on the value of the bastard sword. He puts the pipe back in his mouth and chews on it. I also have some masterwork chain shirts here that were... Appraised at around 300 silver. For both of them? Yeah, for both of them. But I figure I could throw them in with the sword. I know it's not as general wares, but it still has the associated value. I could mount it down if you needed to, but, well... You think it would be better to add that to the lot or just take the coin that they were appraised at from your experience? Well, blacksmith, weaponsmith might not have much to do with the armor you're selling him, but you could try to get him to take it. But it won't cover the cost of the sword. If I know Epsom, then I know that he's a shrewd businessman. It's going to be hard pressed to get him to haggle down lower. That's good to keep in mind. And if perhaps uh, any of your wares were to be updated, um, I'll be around town. I'll stop by. Perhaps we could do business instead. For now, I think I guess I will uh, hold on to this until I can make up more of the... Uh, deficit in value between the two items. Uh, Mr. Smoot. What, Cece? Why don't we do a quest? A whole quest right now? It's it's almost evening. I know, I'm, I'm just saying, if we need money, we should do something to make money. Oh, I, I agree with you, but there are so many other things I need to do. But we're seekers now, so we can absolutely make money, and that way we we can buy things. We can shop. And Mr. Finnebeer can tell us about who his first love was. Oh, I'd like to hear that story. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, Finn turns, like, pink. <laughs> yeah, Finn, I, I think the the little lady Cece here has been waiting long enough to hear the answer. <laughs> the, the huntsman sits down, he pulls out a piece of beef jerky and tosses some to Cece and Charles Smoot. Catch an eye, Nom, and we all look longingly towards Finnevere. All right, all right, get your snacks out. I don't have my stuff, I, can't, I don't have snacks to pull out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, a merchant is so naked without his wares, I tell you what... Ew, 
He's naked. Should I cover my eyes? Probably a good idea. Ugh. Especially if he's regaling the tales of his long-lost love. I'll behave, Mr. Smoot. Alright, continue. Uh, <clears throat> well, you might find this surprising, but I have to see eye-to-eye eye on a few things with Mr. Smoot in terms of love. Uh, there was a time I thought differently, though. Uh, when you meet a person that has so many qualities that you respect... How do I put this? Uh, in the town that I grew up in, Tabor, there was a family I spent more time with than any other, the O'Cronins. Uh, they didn't have much between them, but boy did they have a work ethic. Everyone did their share, except for there were some slackers about, but we won't mention them for the sake of this story. To give a bit of context, I was born outside of Tabor, but I was separated from my original parents. What's this have to do with your first love? I oh, context is everything. I mean, I just want to know the details. That, that's honestly it. Oh, if you want the short version, by all means, I could tell you that instead. I mean, what do you guys think? I, I think a romance story is nice. It's been a long day and it's only mid-afternoon. This is why Finnevere keeps alcohol on him to offer at times like this. <laughs> <laughs> by all means, Finnevere, carry on. When I did know my father, my birth father, he wasn't around much, but he did teach me a few things. He was a businessman, stern, but respected. Whenever anyone talked to him, it was always in respect, and that's something I admired about him. And that's one of the th few things he tried to instill in me with what time he was around. But that aside, when I did come to Tabor, I saw more people relaxed. It was uh, almost unfamiliar, but then there were the O'Cronins who never had a minute to lose. Gardening, uh, washing up, making the most lovely of dishes. One of the hardest working was Eilis, always looking after uh, the younger of her family. But uh, over time, I did grow to admire her quite a bit. I was always over their house. We spent a lot of time together. But there was a time that my eyes were open. I read a book by the name of the Prophet of Prophet. It taught me that if you care enough about someone, you need to be able to be prepared to take care of them. And I didn't have anything, so I never told her. Hmm. That sounds really sad. You got dumped, didn't you? I, I, I think he self-dumped. You he, dumped he, yourself. Yeah, he self-rejected himself. Oh, that's a very sad story. I was hoping for something more uplifting and romantic. Yeah. That's not very romantic. <laughs> well, as Smoot might tell you, sometimes love takes sacrifice. I think you just learned to love yourself. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong. Only time will tell. Wow. That was a really boring story, Mr. Finnevere. Maybe well, you, like, aren't you a guy who likes telling stories? You've got to wow the crowd and be like, Once upon a time in a land far away, there was me. And I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I swear she'd be the entertainer, not you, Finnevere. <laughs> Maybe it's just regarding the sappy backstory stuff, though. Whatever. Uh. Alrighty. So, um, what are we doing, Mr. Smoot? You can't buy the sword. You're poor. Hey, hey, hey. I am broke, not poor. Smoot's just a poor boy. Nobody loves him. Smoot's from a poor family. Just from a poor family. Legally broke. distinct. Broke is a financial state. Poor is a manner of spirit. And I am rich in spirit, and we're gonna fix this situation. Okay. Are we going on a quest? Uh, I think there's some really fast ones that we could complete. All right. 
That sounds good. But no giant frogs. Okay. I I can't guarantee that. No, no giant frogs if we can help it. I like that better. No giant frogs if we can help it. Only if you can bring me the carcass, of course. We'll keep that duly in mind. Thank you for keeping me entertained. And he just rocks back in his chair, then swaps the pipe from his right to his left. Well, if it's all the same to you a lot, um, I have a lot to think about and a lot to consider and potentially a busy day tomorrow. Hopefully we get to hear some news about Kelsey and Taylor, so I think I might just turn in for the evening. All right. It's like way in the afternoon. Okay, I won't question it. Maybe you could go work out somewhere. Well, that means that Cece and I get to pick out the quest. Ooh. Yes, 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 yes. I like this idea. Are you okay with it, Mr. Smoot, if we pick out the quest for you? As long as it doesn't interrupt any other potential plans that we have, I feel like people like Kelsey and Taylor should take priority, so... Well, they may want to rest when they get back. Hmm. But that doesn't mean we can't go out and do an adventure without them. Maybe as long we as they... should wait, Mr. Finevere. Maybe until they're back. It hasn't been that long since we went on a big quest. Not really a quest, but we went on a big mission. I'm still a little sore. Maybe we just use the day to look around and relax. Finding your bearings is very important. It's hard to tell where you're going if you don't know where you are. All right. Maybe we can offload the the relics and uh, then we can uh, just enjoy the town, see what we can find. Okay. So, Vinavir, you're able to sell the relics that you were trying to get rid of and Charles Smoot, Finevere, and Cece wander around for a good bit. You do meet up with Zavid at one point, and you guys go and get dinner later in the evening, turning in later that night for the next day. And that is where we're going to end off for this week's episode of The Gate Chronicles picking up on a new day, perhaps. We'll see how it goes. Thank you so much, Poundlings, for listening to this week's episode of The Gate Chronicles. There were a bunch of highs and lows with some emotional roller coasters, as well as some romantic kind of stories going on. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know what that was. Uh, Well, Foundlings, if you've been enjoying this series, this episode, or this podcast overall, please make sure you leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast listening app that you are on, whether or not that's Podchaser or even, well, uh, that thing called Apple Podcasts. Yeah, you can you can do that. Or, uh, you know, if you want to support us in other ways, please consider going to our website, missingroleplayerfound.com. That's missing, R-O-L-L, playerfound.com, and going to our store where you can pick up merchandise, which includes hats, t-shirts, stickers, and more. I personally really like the hats. Beyond that, consider supporting us through our Patreon, where you can donate to us monthly and help us with the production of this show. Yay! And make sure, foundlings, that you're following us on our social media accounts, Twitter and Instagram, as well as TikTok at RollFound. And follow along for the latest news and updates on the podcast. Well, foundlings, that's it from me. We will see you next, next week on the Gage Chronicles. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys.